It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? I'm with the wonderful Charlotte Devaney, uh, an amazing artist and the more I did research on you, the more I was looking at what you were doing, the more I was engrossed and and I became literally dived through a rabbit hole of like all the stuff <laughs> that you're doing because you're yep. literally doing so much. Like you you're you're an actor, you're a radio host, uh, you're a platinum selling musician, you've got your hologram uh, sessions as well, which are absolutely awesome. Um, literally I, I've probably spent the last hour before this, just like deep diving into everything. And the main yeah. thing is DJ. <laughs> I'm and, a DJ. Yeah. And DJ, of course, you see, I got distracted by everything else that you do, but, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing all the things that you've managed to accomplish mm-hmm. and to be as good as you are in terms of a DJ. Like I feel like a lot of people can't even do one thing, let alone to have such a wide skill set. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's a hindrance, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm just a very creative person, you know. And I, and I, I guess like, I just like to be doing lots of, lots of creative things. And I've just, I guess I've like over the years, I've just realized that I'm good at quite a lot of different things, you know. And I love performing. You know, I'm a performer. That's that's what I would put myself there as like, yeah, I do lots of different things, but I'm a performer, you know, whether it's DJing, whether it's acting, whether it's being an artist, you know, I just love performing. You know, it's very natural to me. So so that's it. Well that's the thing that I actually really noticed in everything that you do. And I don't know how you've got the energy for like an hour to be just like (laughs) pumping like I get it when <laughs> when an artist is like rapping or when an artist is like singing, it like goes through them. But you're literally jumping up and down for like an hour and a half, and I'm like, wow, the energy that you've got just to be able to sustain it is, it's actually one of the things that make you so entertaining. I think. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it comes from. It's really weird. It's like. I can go into a club or a festival and be feeling really tired and just like, you know, you have your bad days in it. And I can be going in and I'll be like, oh. or even on the way there all the time. And my driver and manager will tell, would tell you this all the time. We drive to clubs and I'll be sitting in the car, like hood up, like, Oh, you know, I'm not really feeling it tonight. You know, oh, I'm a bit tired. Oh, I'm feeling a bit crap. I'm on my period or, you know, all the normal things that people go through. <laughs> Um, but as soon as I get there and the music, as soon as I press play on the on the decks, I turn into a different person. It's like, I don't know what happens. It's not a, an act. It's just like natural to me. You know, the music takes me. It takes me places. And I, the energy just is there until I press stop. That's it. That's the only way to describe it, really. How's the come down afterwards? <laughs> you know what? 
sometimes it can be quite painful because because sometimes I go so mental like like this summer for instance there was one festival I've had a few accidents this summer actually but there's a couple that really stood out one it was at Outlook Festival uh, UK which was a really sick festival I had a really good time but I went so mental I was jumping up on the <laughs> on the decks rewinding the tracks it was wicked like the crowd were loving it but I really went for it so and I punched my my manager who also does all the filming and stuff Joe um I punched his camera um I ended up in the in the um ambulance in the um in the first aid because I'd cut all my hand open and literally I couldn't stand up I was literally I've literally gone so mad I don't know what happened I'd gone so mad I was laying on the floor like I'm in so much pain oh my god I put my back out my knee my foot so that was about it and then there's another the last festival I did of the summer I sprained my foot quite badly and basically um was my foot was bad for like three months so three it's only months. Yeah, it was quite bad. So yeah, that you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I can be quite accident prone, you know, um, in these in these escapades, you know. But it 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 just takes me. The music takes me, and it takes me to a place of energy. And you know, it's all people seem to talk about that online quite a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the energy, the energy. But it's natural, man. It's just it's there for me, man. It's I don't know. I think it's. I started out as a dancer when I was mm. young. And I think it comes from that, you know, I, even when I was a dancer, I was in mental, like I used to do like, we. I was in a dance group and we were like big on the drum and bass sit, circuit. And I used to do like seven 20 minute sets going at it to drum and bass. I mean, which is, you know, anyone knows about drum and bass, they know that it's, you know, it's the fastest music pretty much out there. <laughs> and we, you know, and I still got that energy, you know, like 20 years later. So, um yeah, and I'm a vegan as well, so I think like the diet probably helps with the energy, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I had so many things going through my mind as you were talking. Number one, I don't know, did you punch your cameraman's camera on purpose? No, but I tell you what, it didn't have to make for a good video. Yeah, it would have looked I'll, amazing. I have to send it to you afterwards. Like, if you watch the Outlook Festival after movie right outlook uk the first shot right i go bam yeah and the crowd are going absolutely mental in front of me and i'm there like having it but the first shot i punched the camera but it made an amazing shot because it just went like that and then and then all of a sudden there was the crowd so you know it was worth it kind of it was worth (laughs) it was it at the beginning did you was it like was it the first like really early what in the set or in the yeah video? in the set? I know in the video it sounds like it's the perfect cut, but I'm like it was like the first shot in the video. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay. It was like later on in the set. But yeah, I went for it on that set. It was it was definitely one of the standout sets of the summer. It, it's one of them. That you, it's always the ones you don't expect as well that are always the best. Like it was only on, it was a small stage, right? It was it wasn't the main stage or anything. It was on the kicker stage, and it was like a, a small stage. And it was the last set of the festival. So it was on the Sunday and it was the last set. And uh, yeah, I just went on and there was a few people, there was another DJ on, there was a few people around the tent. And I, yeah, I got it. It got it crazy. It was like, it was mad. Because what happened was the main stage closed and then everybody came and my my stage was the one open still. 
So everyone came and I was, it, everyone was going mental. It was, it was good. I have heard that the Sunday is notoriously a difficult session mm. to do. Yeah, no, for, for real, because people are like, they're either going home or they're tired, they're mashed or whatever. Well, so. if it was me, I'm like, I'd be tired like one day in, I'd be like, all right, guys, I need my time <laughs> to myself. Yeah, don't get it twisted, though, guys. Like... The energy's there for the set. <laughs> then it's like, right, can you stretch me off now, please? <laughs> like, carry me home. <laughs> Take me back to the hotel. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's uh, it's the music that gives the energy. But, yeah, I have got a lot of energy, though. I, I don't. I think I need it for everything that I do because, like, you know, I work my ass off, you know, all week and all weekend, most weeks. You know, I'm on my laptop most days or I'm going out and doing meeting studio sessions, this, that. You know, because I run my own company as well. You know, I, I do a lot of lot of stuff behind the scenes as well as like my career. So yeah, you need the energy definitely. Is it difficult to find a balance? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, like I definitely have problems balancing real life and work because <laughs> you know when when you're an independent artist and you know you you're doing so much for yourself. Like I mentioned Joe um, before, he's my manager, stroke business partner, stroke driver, stroke filming guy. (laughs) You know, he's like, it's just me and him. You know, we run everything together. So we're both, you know, we're both in the same boat together, really. Um, But it is very difficult to balance, like having a relationship, having time off for yourself, and and actually winding down from it all as well is quite difficult at times. But, um, yeah, I've been doing it so long. I think it's just my life now. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, it, it's strange because the more I look at it and the more I speak to artists, the more I realise that the quote-unquote normal aspects of your life, like family and a s- stable relationship, become really difficult because your priority and absolutely fair enough is making your dream come true. And then I think like, sorry, um, I go for it. I think like number one, yeah. In this business, you've got to be obsessed with it because if you're not obsessed with it, you won't last because it's so hard. It's so hard. You've got to be so relentless, like to have longevity, like next year, this year, sorry, it's 2023, isn't it? This year, Next month will be my 23rd year in this business, starting out Valentine's Day 2001 as a 17-year-old dancer and with so many dreams and hopes. And I was mental back then. I'm mental now, but I was mental back then. I was just like, I had so many aspirations and dreams. And starting out then to now, the, the journey's been crazy. But I can honestly say that I've still got the hunger I had then. I've still, I've just learned a lot more. I'm a lot tougher. I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm more talented than I was back then because I've gone through so many things and I've practiced my ass off and I've done, just done so much. But I still have the passion and the drive for it, and I, I will work twenty hours a day and not think anything of it. And if if you don't have that, then I just don't think this business is for you because it's not going to earn you unless you're very lucky it's not going to earn you millions of of dollars or pounds you know if you if you hit the big time yeah but otherwise you're you're lucky if you can pay your bills and you know you're you're lucky if you can make a living out of this business so 
Yeah. Over your time, do you see the dreamers? Like, because you're you're very much, it seems as though you started as a dreamer, you had the dreams, but reality hit you and now you've been doing it for for 23 years. So you're very yeah. much in the reality of what it means to have sustained success, what it means to have a career. But is it difficult mm-hmm. to watch the people with the dream and that's all that seems to be sustaining them? It is difficult because, like, um, you know, hear it a lot. People want success now, especially with, like, social media and everything the way it is. When I started out, there wasn't any social media. There was, We had a website. Websites were just around and, you know, then there was MySpace a little bit later. But, you know, it, there wasn't social media. So, you know, you had to work. You had to be good. You had to be talented. You had to hustle hard, you know, to get anywhere to get yourself out there. But I think like people now are like, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. They see like people with millions of views. They see people top of the charts. They see people doing this, 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 and they want it all very quickly. And I just don't think people are willing to work hard anymore. Not a lot. Anyway, I think some people will, but like I see it a lot and people just, they're very entitled and they expect things like without really doing the graft. I'm not about that. Yeah, I feel like you would get a lot of requests from a lot of people to help them. I've helped a lot of people over the years. And I, to be honest with you, I'm a very kind person. Like, I have helped a lot of people and not got loads in return, to be honest. I try and be hard-faced. Every year I'm like, right, I'm not going to help so much people this year. You know, I'm going to stick to my own my own shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I always end up helping people because that's just what I do. But, like, yeah. A lot of people will, like, yeah, do not even always ask for help. They just sort of get it and then don't return the favor. But yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a weird one in music because the help is helpful to a certain point, but Mm. I see a lot of artists. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. I see a lot of artists just like reaching a level that they're not ready for yet. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're they're trying, they're trying to jump to a level where they haven't got the skill set, they're going up against artists that are, and I always say against because I think you always get compared. When you're with an artist who is well-established, you're always going to get compared. If you're a weak link, then you lose your opportunity and then it actually sets you back longer. So I I feel like self-awareness is really important in the industry because if you're not self-aware, you're going to get lost in trying to get to a place that really doesn't make sense for where you're at. 100%. 100%. And I think, like, like I, I, I feel after my, all my years in the business, and don't get me wrong, yeah, like, I, I didn't start out 23 years ago as a DJ. I wasn't only been DJing since 07. So, like, you know, I, I went through, I've been through a lot of a lot of stages and a lot of different industries. Like, I was a dancer, as I said, a model, an actress. Um, at, 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 and then the, the DJing and the music really has taken over my life. I do still do bits of acting, but it's when I have the time, um, really, because um, music is such a full-time thing, really. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's funny that you say you only started DJing since 2007. Know, that's that's still a ago. very long time. Yeah. I know. I'd be honest with you, like, it, it, it's taken me a long time to become so confident you know, I wasn't confident at first. I used to shit myself when I first went on the decks. I was, I used to have a drink when I first started DJing. I was always like, I've got to have a few drinks. And 
you know, but then I stopped doing that because I realised I wasn't a very good DJ when I was drunk, but it took a long time to get the confidence. I'm now such a seasoned performer and seasoned everything that I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm in a better place than I've ever been, like, as a performer, just because of, like, my experience, I guess. Well, I think you know? that's the thing that stands out is you feel confident. Like, mm. there's there's when I look at the things that you're doing, you don't seem to have the self-doubt. I'm sure you have self-doubt well, as well, um, but it doesn't yeah. feel as though you allow it to affect when you perform. No. No, no, I just love it. I just love performing, you know. Like, it's, it's always been my thing, whether that's in front of the camera, on stage, whatever, you know. I love it. I'm born to do it. That's it. I'm also, you know, I also enjoy other things like business business and building stuff and, you know, hustling and, get you know, starting something and the journey along the way. Do you know what I mean? I enjoy that. And I think that's just, that is important as well, like, to enjoy the journey because sometimes it's not always what it's cracked up to be when you get to the get to where you're hoping to be, you know. So the journey is important, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think when you're in the journey, it's difficult to enjoy it because you see all the accolades. Yeah, I think it depends. Like if you're seasoned, if you're like if you're seasoned and experienced at the journeys, <laughs> I think I've I've done so many different journeys. Like, like if I like for instance, yeah, I'm starting out. I started some started something new about a year ago um, called One One Eighty Society, which is like a all female collective of DJs, um, stroke MCs. You know, I wanted to build something to bring some unity into bass music with with females and, you know, just because just I've always been about working as a team and, you know, like I started out in a dance group. So I like having females around me and working together. So I started the collective and it's, you know, it's been slowly growing over the last year or so. And, you know, we've got like some big plans with it and, you know, and it's quite exciting because it's something new and, and I, I'm sitting back like, okay, cool. We might not get everything that we're dreaming of straight away, but like there's there's some fun to be out here. You know what I mean? There's a journey here. So, you know, yeah. I'm quite chill about stuff yeah. like that. I think, it's, I think it's now that you've done a lot that it's like mm. you can enjoy the journey of the new stuff, but I'm sure like in the beginning, you know, when you would like start. That. Yeah. <laughs> now- <laughs> no, I used to be like, I want it now. Why is it not happening? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, yeah. I'm still very impatient with things. You know, I talk about being, you know, loving the journey and everything. I'm still very impatient. And Joe would tell you that, you know, I want things now. I'm like, you know, where's that hologram session? And, you know, I want I want the, that finished now. And, you know, I'm a bit of a slave driver, really, <laughs> to work with because I'm like, yeah, I'm a boss, you know, and I want, I want shit done and I want it done my way. I'm very much like that. Um, I think you have so, to yeah. be though. I think yeah. uh, because if you're not, and so this is like this is like the duality of what people think versus the the truth is like if you're not driven and you're not impatient and you're not hustling and you're not ever satisfied, then you will done. never. Yeah, it'll just stay the same forever, and then the 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 things will be said about you that everyone fears, which is she had amazing potential or he had amazing potential. Exactly. So, yeah, so I'm like, and the thing is with me, right, that's annoying 
and, and good at the same time, but is that I do so many different things. So like, for instance, I've got my hologram session series, which I know is just fucking amazing. You know, let's, let's be honest. It's amazing. No one's doing it in the world. And, you know, if I had like a million pounds in the bank, mate, you know, I would, I would be doing loads more things with it than I have done so far. But nevertheless, I know it's amazing. So I'm very eager to get like lots of episodes out and keep pushing the boundaries with it. But it takes a lot of work to get those episodes done. It's a lot of VFX. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, right? So and also in between all of that, I have like other things to do, such as music, such as touring, such as my business, my management company. So many things, record label. There's a lot of other things I'm doing. So it hinders me in that way where like, there's too many things going on, you know what I mean? But all the things I'm doing have, like, this huge potential or are doing big things, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, a weird frustration to have because it's something that you've chosen to do and then yeah. you're like, oh, so much, so much potential. <laughs> oh, my God, there's so much potential in all of this. But, like... God, I need a team of like 50 people to pull this off properly. But then you think, where am I going to get 50 people from? Like, it's just, you just, you just have to keep hustling until that dream becomes a reality. And I don't care if it, I, I end up getting there when I'm 90. It's, it's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'll wait. <laughs> to be so. honest, it would be amazing if you were 90 and still banging this shit out. <laughs> With the holograms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't, listen, we'll talk in like a few years time. It's quite a few years time, but we'll talk in like 50, 50 odd years time. To be honest, Charlotte, <laughs> if our next interview is in 50 years, I'll be pretty disappointed that we had to wait so long because <laughs> let's be honest, I'm going to be an old wrinkly man at that point as well. So, uh, I'm not going to be an old wrinkly man, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but that's questionable. You know, at one point I did play a man in a film and, a lot of people did ask me if I was a man, so you know. Yeah, anyway. I saw that in uh, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is is so weird because I'm sure at the time you took the role, like you didn't think anything of it. It's just like just getting your foot in the door. Yeah, like I, to be honest, a long time ago that uh, shot that in like, 2007, and it came out in 2008, and uh, obviously it was like a massive opportunity and like probably to this day one of the biggest things I've ever done um it was definitely at the time the most money I'd ever earned and it was you know it was yeah it was big um definitely before its time you know like back then transvestites transsexuals were not really like talked about so much in the media it wasn't like you know it is now basically um I took the role straight away you know I I, I yeah I didn't even think about it I was just like yeah I, I've always been someone that's daring and didn't, doesn't care and will, is up for anything basically so well I think it makes sense like you're you're just figuring it out like you're yeah. not in a position where you've got 12 offers for movies no. like you're, you're you're just like holy shit I got an offer for a movie with some amazing actors I let's well I mean at the time yeah I was um, I was a model and an actress, uh, and I was doing like um, a lot of glamour stuff. So you know, I was quite comfortable taking my clothes off. 
Um, so that was one thing that that's one box that was ticked. <clears throat> Plus I could act. So, and I was, you know, very natural in front of the camera. I could do the accents they wanted. So, you know, it ticked a lot of boxes, I guess. But, you know, it was, it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Not everyone would want to wear a fake penis and get their breasts out for the world to see. You know, it's not for everyone, I guess. But it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, you know, um, Simon Pegg, lovely guy, still friends to this day. And, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing opportunity. So, but you never know. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, that relationship. So, I mean, Simon Pegg, like, I love Hot Fuzz. Like, that is one of yeah, my favorite yeah, movies. I love that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. when you, when you see the movies that they're making, like, I would probably would have said yes too. Is like, hey, get to you work with someone though, else. At the, t- yeah. at the time, I didn't really know who he was. Like, I, I'd never, I don't know if I really was really aware of that much of his stuff at the time because it, like, how to lose friends was his big break into hollywood like that was i believe the first hollywood film that he ever did um i think hot fuzz had just come just came out just after that i think he mm. probably already shot it i think was was hot fuzz 2008 to be honest i have absolutely no idea anyway i know he'd done Shaun of the dead but i'd never seen it at that yeah. time so I yeah like I vaguely knew him but wasn't like massively aware. Obviously I knew Megan Fox was knew um, Jeff Bridges was knew who Kirsten Dunst was, Gillian um, Anderson, a lot of the other actors. But yeah, so but anyway, we became friends on the on set, and he was he's just such a nice guy, and uh, yeah, I talked to him quite a bit actually on Instagram, and you know he's 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 cool man. He's still killing it. So he definitely is, and. Something that you brought up I wanted to ask you about was the the all-female collective. Something that yeah. is interesting to me in music is, you know, there is huge growth in terms of having female representation within Definitely. all genres of music. Have you seen a, a distinct evolution since you've started to where it is now? Yeah, massively. Um, I still think there's a long way to go in certain genres, especially. I think house music is probably leading the way with, like, female uh djs if you if to just want to talk about djs um i think bass music's got quite a long way to go i think that i think it's better than it was um but it's still very male dominated um i think there's like you know i think there's like in drum and bass for instance i, I play a lot of drum and bass and there's there's a lot of females a lot of females came through during lockdown um and there's definitely like more female representation on events but still it'll be like one or two on a lineup of like 30 men you know Mm. it's it's still there's still a lot of work to do but the reason I wanted to start 180 society was because I felt I feel like there's not enough unity with women in general because I feel like it's very competitive um there's not as much spots as there is for guys so I feel I feel like women pick pit against each other quite a lot and they're not supporting each other enough so I wanted to bring some unity because I've that's how I've always been you know like I said I was in a dance group from young and you know always and I was a model so I was always working with lots of women but then you get into the DJing world and you know it's not as much like that but 
Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely changed. It's changed in a lot of ways. It's changed as a lot more women DJs, but it's also changed in the perception of women. Where like when I started first started out, I used to get a lot of bookings and stuff. Um, but it was solely because I was a really good looking, sexy woman. That you know, like that's how it was at, at first. So it was very much like, you know, I, when I first started DJing. Um, I was when I first started DJing I was on the radio okay so I, I started in about 04 right on the radio and I didn't play in clubs for a long long time and I was playing drum and bass right so that's about kind of the scene that I started in and then in 07 uh, and I've always been a big hip-hop fan right so um, <clears throat> hip-hop's always been like a big big lover of mine and then in 07 um, a promoter from Greece hit me up on MySpace. I was like, oh, you're a DJ. You know, do you want to come and play in my club in Athens? So I was like, oh, God, I've never played in, I've never played out before. And it was like, it's the best hip-hop club in Greece. So I went and did that. And that kind of opened up a career um, for 10 years of like playing um, hip-hop to start with. And then hip-hop kind of, kind of went into a weird phase of like EDM with like David Getter and all of those kind of act artists blowing up. So it became like a mashup circuit so I like literally traveled the world for 10 years playing like hip-hop EDM house you know that was that was me um and and that circuit was very much about if you was a woman and you were getting books it was because you were hot you know yeah I was good I was a good DJ not as good as I am now but I was I was good you know I was going in clubs and mashing up the dance all over the world um but yeah, the look, it was very looks based, definitely. And then you got a lot of Russian girls started DJing as well. So they were like taking over the kind of Asian market. And, you know, uh, so, but now I, I, I don't feel like it's as much about that anymore. You know, I think it's a lot less sexist than it used to be. What do you think's changed about it? Like, because as you were speaking, I was like, it must be strange to still be able to have a career but then see the flaws in it to be like oh, 100%. I know why I'm getting booked but like at the same time I need to you know I need to take the opportunity that I have in front of me yeah don't get me wrong though I've always been ever since I started I've always like when I first started I was a dancer in a very male dominated scene which was drum and bass garage music as well um we that's the main scenes that we danced on and it there weren't any other females really there was one or two djs but it was like very very male dominated so i've kind of always i've kind of been used to being in a man's world in in some respects um but i don't know i guess like things have changed so much now yeah that you see the flaws in things that you didn't see back then you know, now I tell you this story about the, oh, yeah, I was on the EDM circuit for 10 years and, you know, uh, they were booking females because, you know, they wanted like sexy looking model model DJs or whatever. You know, I guess like at the time you didn't really look at it in the way you'd look at it now. Like since like Me, me Too and, you know, <clears throat> opinions have changed in respect to everything, like... You, you you see things for what they are now rather than at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You understand? It's like, 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 for instance, yeah, the way that men, when you used to go into a club back in the day, 
when I was dancing, especially because I was, you know, sometimes I'd be running around the club, going to the toilet, whatever, dressed in my my skimpy little dance outfit. And, you know, even when I was going out with my girls, like dressed up to the nines, whatever, in, in a dress or whatever, men were very like they used to grab you and try and touch you and you know it was it was a thing and I I used to fight men all the time for trying to touch me and pull me about and this and that but you just men just don't act like that anymore you know and at the time it was like oh fuck off whatever you know you go away but it wasn't looked at in the way that it's looked at now It, it was looked at as in are you just a pest but now like it's actually a criminal offense to act like that you know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't it strange that it took society all together to be like, hey, you know how we have all these rules about like not touching people inappropriately yeah. without their I mean, consent? I, mean, seriously, I could write a fucking book on it. I'm not even joking. Like I used to get harassment on new levels, you know, like when I was walking down the street, man used to be chasing me or hanging out of their cars or you know like I said in, in nightclubs it was just off the chain like there's sometimes oh I don't want to go out in the crowd so I'm just too many hungry men but they don't act like that anymore men I think men are like scared now to do anything like that I think I think there's there's probably an overcorrection at the moment like because yeah because I'm in my 20s so definitely it's very much in not that it feels like a weird thing to even think that, like, you would need to be told not to do it in the weirdest yeah. way. Because, I mean, I've spoken to all my female friends and they've all gone through something like that at a club where they've been touched or grabbed and it's just, right. like, ingrained into you now and it should be. I mean, it really, it, like yeah, I said, right. it, oh, it shouldn't cool. need to be, but... Like and so now there's also a redefining of where the boundaries are and it's figuring out, you know, as a man of going, okay, definitely I know what's a hundred percent no, but also yeah. I'm trying to figure out what's yes and every person yeah. is different. And so uh-huh. in a situation like a club where communication is difficult, it's like it's better for me to be conservative than it is for me to take a risk. And I think that's what people are are thinking about. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting to have this conversation because I've had this conversation with like a couple of girlfriends before and gone, oh, is it, you know, men just don't really, really try it anymore. Like, is there something wrong with me? (laughs) Or is it like, is it that men are just scared? I think it's that men are scared um, and uh, like other female friends have said the same thing. Oh, my butters now. Am I ugly? <laughs> because like <laughs> men are just like not acting like hungry anymore. But I think it is because men are like scared. So do you feel like when you go into a club, you can't just sort of randomly grab a girl? Not that you probably would, but like yeah, oh definitely. I would never like. I'm I'm big on respect and. I think the okay. other thing shift is like, oh, they are here with their friends to have a good time, not to get it hit on guys. But yeah. that's not necessarily that's true either. And so it's like this weird game that's now evolved of like, you know, men are taking the back seat because they're waiting for consent and women are going, hold on, why aren't you hitting on me? me? <laughs> yeah, because you, that's your job. You should be hitting on me. I looked at you once. And so yeah, men are like, she looked at me, but did she look at me or did she look past me? 
And so it's like this weird, it's this weird place. I think we've just like overcorrect. There's no balance. And when I look at the media and it's the weirdest thing, and I'm sure you see it as well, is like there's this narrative of like men versus women. And I hate that so um, much. Yeah. Like it's like, it's, it's the, it feels like it's, just creating more and more division where it's like women talk shit about men, men talk shit about women and everyone in between. And then no wonder we don't get along is because we've been pushed. Yeah, there's definitely, um, there's definitely a massive like social divide between men and women. And I think like the whole inclusivity, um, the whole, oh, we need more women we need more this we need more that actually is creating divides rather than unity in in a lot of respects yeah see i think we need good women doing good things just like in the same way we need we need good men doing good good things i I, I don't know though as much as i am a very very pro women and uh, you know as a woman in the industry especially as a woman that's been around a long time I've had a lot of hardships because I'm a female but I've also um also had you know got things because I'm a female I all I also do believe that you do also have to be good I, I, I'm not just down to like oh yeah you gotta book her because she's a woman like it's gotta be you, yeah we should have more women doing all these things but They've got to be talented. It's not just like throw any old woman in there just for being a woman. You know, you've got to be good at what you're doing. You've yeah, I think it's the, the opportunity. Like you were saying, that when you were looking at, you know, the base scene and it's, you know, two women booked for 40 men, it may only be that there's only two spots for women. And then it's like, well, then that's not a fair opportunity. You need to give opportunity. No, I, I- I totally feel like, do you know what as well? I don't know what I think is a massive problem and why more women are not getting books is because a lot of the promoters are men, right? So obviously, like, they, they don't feel the same way that we feel about stuff. Although I think everyone's trying in, in most respects to include more women, etc. But I feel like, like when I do events, I will book as many women as I can the ones that I feel again I feel are talented enough or have you know the status or etc etc but there's not really many female promoters so I feel like there needs to be more I think like maybe that would improve things more how do people get into promoting and I guess you just fall into it. I mean, I've done, I promoted quite a few events. I actually hate it. <laughs> it's like not really my, I really don't like it. I, you know, I've, yeah, I mean, I've put on some big events over the last few years and been very successful at it actually, but like I just find it very stressful. So I, I it's not something I could do full time and, and props to all those promoters out there because it's very, very hard. You know, it's very hard to sell tickets and you don't make that much money. So, you know respect to everybody out there that's doing it but yeah I do a few things you know I've got some big projects going on at the moment um yeah so I I know what I'm doing with it but it's it's just it's very it's very hard it's funny it's like it's very difficult you don't make much money but go do it more women we need more women in the industry <laughs> no, no. you know what like rewind that because you can make money but 
it's a lot harder than people think and you don't make as much money as people think you know I think like artists are charging a lot these days and you know you've you've got to try and get favors of people and you know to make money so yeah it's just stressful I find it very stressful it's not it's not really much it's not really something I'd want to do all the time but we do need more female promoters everyone (laughs) maybe that's why it's that stressful because we don't have enough female promoters in there maybe <laughs> maybe it's just maybe. just the men doing it but something i did want to ask you about was flip it i'm, I'm sure you get so many questions about this um do, yeah. but i'm always interested in the moment of realization when you see it for what it is which is a platinum hit like what yeah, was the moment were- for you it was a big, it was a long process, <laughs> a very stressful long process, that song, actually. Um, it was first made in 2012. Um, and I first released it, because basically um, I released it first myself on my own label independently. Um I went to so many meetings with like major record labels and there was like some, some maybes and nearlies and, you know, it just didn't get signed, but I always knew it was a hit. And um, so I released it first myself, the, the original version, which is still online. I toured it all over the UK. Like did so much work, spent so much money as well of my own money. I paid Snoop myself. I literally did everything myself, paid for the video, all the remixes, the lot. And then um, basically signed it to end up doing like a license deal to Universal in Australia. And um, they were like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't really know what to do with it because there isn't a radio story in the UK with it yet. But we know it's a hit, but we just don't really know, you know, so a little bit of time went on. And then I was like, look, why don't we, why don't we do a new version of it? Why don't we like update it a bit? So. Um, they were working with this producer called Ivan Goff at the time who who was like big on the EDM scene and like worked with Swedish House Mafia and like all of that that kind of stuff. So that was like 2000 and around 2015, end of 2014, 15. And um so anyway, so so like one of the guys from Universal Australia he was like, well, it was actually Neon Records, who were a subsidiary of Universal Australia, but they were all linked in with all the universals around the world. So the head of that label was really good friends with Steve, um, Steve Barnett, I think his name was, who was the head of Capital Records in LA. And they had Katy Perry at the time and like, they were obviously a huge legendary label. And he flew over to LA and played them the song. And they were just like, oh my God, yeah, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, it was quite different, the second version of it. I actually think it was more catchy. I personally didn't like it as much as the first one, but it was definitely a lot more catchy. The whistle was a lot louder and, you know, it was just a bit more simple. So anyway, they cut a long story short. They signed the record um, and, um, yeah, they spent a lot of money on it and, you know, shot an amazing video in. LA and I got to work with like some amazing amazing people you know like Beyonce's choreographer and Madonna's stylist and you know it was it was a kind of like a bit of a dream really um 
And unfortunately, the relationship didn't really go any further than a couple of singles because it just didn't, I just didn't really have the material to carry it on, really. And to be honest with you, my heart was not really in that music. So, like, yeah, but like it, it did well, obviously. It it blew up in a lot of countries. And to this day, it's my biggest song that people still talk about. So, you know what I mean? It was, um, yeah. It was, and for something that started off as a complete accident, um, rewinding the story right to the beginning, somebody who worked with Snoop saw a viral video that I did. Um, I did like a um, parody of Bo- uh, Bora, a, a parody of Call on Me with me and my girls dressed as Bora. You might have seen it if you've done some <laughs> digging. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my God. Someone saw it and was like, Do you want to work with Snoop? They think that's the most funniest thing ever. And, you know, that's how it happened. But, you know, um, Snoop's really cool, man. He's he's really cool. I met him, and yeah, yeah, like it's part of my legacy. Just like hologram sessions is, just like all the other records that I've made. But you know, it is, it is. I think it's time for a remix, though, don't you think? <laughs> I think so. Why not? Everyone's saying that to me. Oh, you need to remix. <laughs> you know, we need a bass remix of it. You know what? In a way, it's better that you don't. In in yeah, the weirdest way, because. It's like, you know, when when you said, like, it's not, like, your heart isn't in that. It's like... Yeah, don't get me wrong, yeah. When I listen back to it, I think I appreciate it more now than I did then. When I listen back to it, I'm like, do you know what? I do see what a great record this is. Like, I understand why this was a hit. You know, it is a great record. It's very catchy. It's very unique. You know, everything that I am. Um, But... Yeah, it's not like it's not like a banger that I would personally play, you know. And it, it definitely wasn't for the for the UK market. And you know, I would have liked to have seen it blow up in the UK. Like the original version of it was much more of a UK sound. It had that electro kind of sound at the time, which was sort of big. But you know, it was because I think like <clears throat> Australian label got hold of it and an Australian producer reproduced it. Um, <clears throat> It got that early Melbourne bounce sound, which wasn't really something that I was into, but I know is massive. But I think that's why it didn't really cross over, like, into the UK and America, which is what they were hoping for, I think. They were sort of hoping to push this new sound off the back of that song. But it blew up in Australia. Are you Australian? Sure am. Born and raised. You must... Okay, so you must know about Flip It then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really big in in it clubs. Was. for, But like, because I'm always like... Was it, clubs, was it big in clubs? or I didn't know if it was big in clubs or if be, it was just radio. To be honest, I stopped listening to radio by that time. Um, but I definitely recognised it. It's hard for me, because I'm a hip-hop fan. Weird that I have a hip-hop podcast. Um, yeah, but like, too. I love hip-hop. <laughs> so... The weird thing is, like, the I definitely recognize the song, but like when I was looking at the numbers that it did, I was like, "Oh, it yeah. was enormous here." It went is... to number ten. I think. I think it went to number ten in Australia and New Zealand and Poland and Italy, France, those, um, those uh, Spain, those kind of countries. You know what I mean? The, where that more cheesier sound was like doing bits at the time. It was huge in Poland as well. There were like all kinds of parodies being made of it in Poland, which is quite funny. Um, 
but yeah, I guess like I'm not from Australia. I've never even been there. Really? Right? So no, I'm hoping I'm hoping this year that by the end of this year I'm going to do a tour because like you know I'm playing like bass music now, DMB, bassline, you know, garage house. You know that's my thing, and like I play a lot of drum and bass, which is huge in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and because of hologram sessions, you know, I have a, you know, that's what started out playing drum and bass again during lockdown. Um, I have a big drum and bass following. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get out to Australia. So I'm sure it'll be a mixture of like people that remember me from Flip It and go, oh, my God, we wanted to see you in 2016. But we never got to see you. Um, so Yeah, I feel like you will have a good mix in your set when you come down here. I mean, because yeah, I, I spoke to, because I saw you did uh, a hologram session with Skibbity and I spoke to yeah. Harry Shoda a while ago. And, okay. Um, and he was, he was, he's a big fan of Skibbity as well. And he was talking about it. And so I was just like, oh. and then you got Big Nasty most recently. I was like, that's cool. He's such a funny guy. So funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I love Nasty. Big up Big Nasty. He's such a nice guy as well. He's like one of the most humble like stars that I've worked with he's just so cool and like nice you know he's a nice guy I've known him for years actually um and I've been trying to get him on hologram sessions for ever since I started it actually and he's just he's just like hadn't got back to me and been too busy whatever and then I did one with screw fizzer did you see that one yeah that was a good one he's really sick and he he saw that and he was like you know what like that gassed me up i'm coming on so <laughs> he's just so funny oh that day we shot it in the summer this year last year and um i was just cracking up the whole time he's, he's so funny he's so he's such a funny guy so he's very talented he's very good at what he does and he's a good rapper as well you know he's, he's, he's a good rapper he is it's rare to get someone who is able to rap but also has like that genuine personality that really <laughs> gets you like, cause I see him on talk shows and I'm just like, I love British talk shows. There's something about the way we don't have it here. We'd suck at creating like good comedy talk shows. We just really, yeah. I don't know what I it think, is. You know what it is though? I think like the British have such dry sense of humor. We have the best sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's why the talk shows are, are good. Yeah, like I was obsessed with, um, oh, was eight out of ten cats. I was obsessed with that okay. for ages. Like all these shows, and then I just watched so many big nasty clips of him just, te- just so talking shit to his guests. It's yeah. just so funny <laughs> to watch. So stoned, he's so stoned, <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> oh, he's he's a character, mate. He really is a character. He's very funny. I got. So- so much love for him he's <laughs> and that hologram session is brilliant it's it's one of my favorite ones it's brilliant it's it's so funny and he smashes it on the mic as well even to the jungle at the end like mm. i was like okay i was like so listen yeah i've done two mixes one is like one is just grime but the other one is grime and i've put a jungle track at the end are you up for it and he was like yeah man yeah yeah and he's listening to it and he was just like yeah he was like oh all these all these tracks are like i can do my old old school bars on these <laughs> so yeah so did do you send them the beats before or is it like 
the style that you talk about. Yeah, the style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I was yeah, wondering, so I send, like... I have to send them, I send them, like, a rough mix before so they know, like, what I'm going to play and all of that, so... Yeah, because I was going to say, like, some of your sessions are, like, an hour and, like... Yeah, some of the original ones. I've got an hour one coming out, but towards the end of this month, um, it's it's pretty amazing, actually. This is going to be a world first one that I haven't done before. Um, that's an hour one. But basically, during the lockdown period, from, like, June 2020, when I first started doing it up until the end, they were all an hour long or some hour and a half. Mm. Um, and they were more like, you know, like a show, like a stream. But then, like, after that, we were like, God, and honestly, like, God, we spent so many hours making those, you know, the rendering time and, you know, it was it's long. So we were like, look, we want to turn this into more of a YouTube kind of um, thing and more like a freestyle five minute type thing. So that that's basically, I've got like four new episodes coming out in the next couple of months that are all ready to go. So three of them are short ones between five and eight minutes and one of them is an hour. But generally the whole rounds are going to be short because it's just like so much work to do the hour ones. And yeah, I think attention spans also mm-hmm. are tough yeah, for an hour. To be honest with you, right, I get more views on the minute clips than I do like the hour ones. You know, people watching the hour ones will often watch it or if it's a live stream, they'll sit there and they'll comment and whatever. But they come in and they come out. So they don't always watch it all the way through. They might listen to it as a mix more. Do you know what I mean? Like in their car or whatever. So I just thought, you know, I want this, I want people to take in the spectacle that is the hologram sessions. I want them to appreciate the VFX, appreciate it so it's much better doing it in like a five minute form and then i can do my my hour mixes on my pyro shows or you know what i mean and it's a lot less effort and money to kind of do it do you know what i mean yeah i I think i think so as well like it just i I will say though the one with yourself is really funny just (laughs) like you pointing to yourself and you dancing that one's amazing so for anyone who hasn't checked that out check it out because that's like you bigging up yourself and then you're dancing and then you replicate the dance moves and it's it's so funny to watch yeah that one is good (laughs) you don't understand that was a lot of effort and i remember like the day we shot that you know that shot in my bedroom at home no it doesn't look like it yeah we that was shot in my bedroom um yeah, because I was really stressed. I was like, okay, so, like, I, I'm normally the DJ on this. I've never actually been the MC as well. So, like, but actually when I got on on camera, it was actually really easy. It was actually more easy than being the DJ. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> that one was interesting. You know, they've got, they've got better as well, you know, like. Obviously, as time's gone on, we've um, we've learned a lot more. We started out; it was a complete accident how it started, um, and we've just taught ourselves how how to do it. And and yeah, it's, I mean, now it's got a big high tech kind of thing that we do. You know, it's quite a production. And why holograms? I don't like, where did know. the idea come from? Well, I'd say it was an accident. It was an accident. It was like, um, basically when the lockdown started, um, I started doing live streams regularly 
And one day I was just like, oh, you know, I fancy doing a drum and bass mix of all my old school favorites because I wasn't playing any new music, any new drum and bass music then. Any drum and bass that I played would be like a few tunes in a set or whatever, in a mashup set or whatever. Um, But I had all these favorite tunes that I played years ago when I was dancing and starting out and stuff and going out to drum and bass regularly. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to do a mix. So, and then I thought, I, you know, I need a, I need an MC on this mix. Um, and at the time they were doing, um, they were doing a lot of those videos where they had like the MC would hold a phone in front of their face and then um, the DJ would be on the other side and it would be like a mix of a DJ and an MC. You know, it was kind of early lockdown. Um, you know, we were just making do in it to entertain people, you know, everything went online. So, so, I went, okay, I'm going to ring up Skibber. Skibber like one of my, was one of my oldest friends in the scene. Rang him up and I was just like, oh, you know, I've done this mix. You fancy like spitting over it? And, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. So sent him the mix and he sent back the vocals, just vocals on their own. And it was like, oh, I said, oh, Skibber's they did haven't I mean, I mean, got a video for me and he was like oh yeah it was a bit long for me to do a whole hour you know with the phone in front of me I just I thought it'd be better you know I can really go for it on the mic just as audio so I was like okay cool and I said to Joe oh we need to do some hype Williams on his ass let's do something crazy so like we was just searching the internet like for, for, for like video footage of him and I found this video um, and he was like on a black background. He was like, it's just some music video and gave it to Joe. And I said, look, I've got all these clips. I found all these clips of him. And I was like, all these clips. That's like, let's just get loads of different clips and have them flashing up on the screen and just, you know what I mean? And we can do some hype Williams where we can do some bits of him at the top and the bottom of the screen. Let's just make it, let's just make it look fancy and then just stream it. And so anyway, we cut out this 15 second clip of him from this black background and we would, we put him on the screen and we're like fucking around and Joe's fucking around and like suddenly I don't know what he did he like put like zillions of effects on it and it suddenly went blue and like turned into this hologram-esque looking see-through thing and we were like oh that's cool it looks like a hologram <laughs> and um Anyway, so I was like, fuck it, that looks good. So, like, we banged this 15-second clip and looped it for the whole hour <laughs> and called it, um, I don't know if you even called it the hologram sessions then. Maybe, can't remember. Maybe not at that time. We just put it out as the mix, yeah? We, we streamed it and we cross-posted it to his page and it went wild. It had like hundreds of thousand views and it's like, oh, my God, people, re- people went crazy for this 15-second stupid like gif looking hologram and we're like oh so then we're like oh, i wonder how we can do this properly like we can do a full set with him looking like that and like so that's how it was born and basically um and then he came round to do another one and we didn't know what the hell we were doing seriously and i watch back that one now and it's terrible compared to the ones now it's like you know it's out of time and places and it's just we, we, it was really amateur hour. Do you know what I mean? We were just like, okay, this is, we think this is how it's going to work. And like, he was all up for it. You know what I mean? He was all like, because it was new and just different and no one had ever done anything like that before. So that one got loads of views as well. 
um, I'm just sad that I never got to do a proper another one with him before he passed away. But you know, I'd love would have loved to have him in the taxi and you know done more holograms with him. You know, um, but I thank him for helping me start it in a weird sort of way. You know, and I still have all the footage of him from the shoot and you know. So yeah, R.I.P. to Skibber, man. You know, absolute legend. Isn't it funny that like it started out of nowhere? It feels like that's a lot. Too though, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes in my life, in my career, things. This is why things don't always work out how I plan them. It's always like there's always a twist, and there's always it always feels like things happen that are meant to happen. Yeah, so even like the flip it thing, I didn't plan for that to happen. I literally had only just started making music at that point. Yeah. I started making music in about 2011, 12. Right. That was when I started. And I was doing a few bootlegs out there. I was I was bootlegging like tracks and making like EDM and house remixes. And I'd done this track called Nice, which was a Borat inspired, because I was obsessed with Borat at the time. A Borat inspired crazy flipping tune with this crazy video. Not in a million zillion years did i think yeah that i was gonna get to work with snoop dogg off the back of that you know what i mean and it's just sometimes things just happen and they happen for a reason and i think the hologram sessions is exactly the same story and and you know and i I still think there's quite a lot of work to do with it and i have a lot of aspirations and dreams with it but one great thing about the hologram sessions is nobody can copy it even if they want to try, they can't copy it because they. without me, there is no hologram sessions. But, you know, they can do a blue MC or whatever sitting next to them in a cab or, or on a DJ set with them, but it's not going to be the same, is it? So, no. you know, I'm happy about that because I'm very funny and I get very worried about people copying my ideas because, you know, I am unique. I don't copy anybody else. I like to be unique. So, yeah. yeah. You are definitely unique, and I will say you—you you were saying the first one's like not as good as where you are now, but I think that's the whole point. Yeah, like well, the whole point. You can see the progression. Yeah, you know what I mean, if you and and as I say again, you know, thank thank you, Skibber. You know, thank you for doing that for me back then, and it blew it up. You know, he was a, he was a good guy, and you know, he's he's really going to be missed, man. He is missed. Yeah, and influenced a lot of artists. He did, man. He influenced a lot of artists from in all different genres. He was an absolute legend. Um, yeah. So he's Skibber, like, was a good friend of mine from my early dancing days. You know, he was one of the first people that I met, and he always had my back, even when I wasn't really, I wasn't in drama bass, like I wasn't really in the scene so much, and, you know, I was off doing other musical stuff, and it always used to post up my music and, you know, whatever I was doing always he was always like supporting me you know so when I called him that day he was just like yeah man you know what I mean because we all we're always friends we're always like kept in touch and you know days from like back from the days when I was doing his music videos and I was a dancer and you know it, it, it yeah we we went way back so it was it was a, I was very very sad you know when when he passed away yeah yeah I can imagine it's quite tough because yeah. the way you speak about him it's almost like a mentor in a way 
No, he wasn't a mentor. I wouldn't say he was a mentor. He was just a nice guy that I'd known for many, many years um, and always supported me. Um, yeah, just a friend, really. Someone that always showed me love. Whenever I saw him, he was always happy to see me. Always like, do you know what I mean? He was, yeah. And, and, and do you know what? Like, it was him that really helped me get on the live streaming thing because he was on it early days doing that. Uh, breakfast is a skibbity thing doing all these shows on on facebook and like i remember having quite a few conversations with him at first he was like oh yeah you know you gotta get on this thing babe you gotta get on the facebook you gotta do this you get your stars and you get you know we could make money while the lockdown we're in lockdown and you know so i i i started my show as well after after you know he started his show and you know i had gained a lot of his fans loved what i was doing as well so yeah, a mentor in some ways, especially during that time, but just a friend, man. He was just a nice guy. He was a nice guy, very humble, very gentle. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, RIP to Skibbity. And yeah, as you said, he definitely will be missed and, and the impact he had. Um, but yeah, I only have one more question for you. And okay, uh, it's the probably the hardest question I'm going to ask because the only question I properly planned on the show. Um, if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once, cannot be your own music, can be any genre of music, just so they could appreciate, what would it be? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I've got so many favourite albums. Probably it'd be like from the old school hip-hop kind of era. Like, one of my favourite albums of all time would be Lauryn Hill, Miss Education. Of Lauren Hill. Yeah, I love that album. It's oh it's God. it's so yeah. so weird when I first listened to it, it like it redefines hip hop in a weird way. She was amazing. Uh like I went to see her in concert actually, um around nineteen ninety eight. Wow, that's like peak. Ninety nine. Yeah, around ninety nine. Yeah. Or 2000 around that album yeah that's like peak lauren hill like that's her yeah. in her like yeah i went to see her on concert i saw her at wembley yeah how was it live yeah it was amazing she's amazing i think she had a lot of issues but yeah because she yeah. got sued oh. afterwards as well there was a huge court case i think she had a lot of issues but like amazing like one of my favorite artists of all time I'm also a huge Beyonce fan. I'm a huge Beyonce fan. I've been to see her like four times. I'm waiting for those tickets to drop for the next album. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm a big Beyonce fan. Big Nicki Minaj fan as well. Massive Nicki Minaj fan. Oh, there's just too many albums. But yeah, the Lauren Hill one would be probably one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. And oh, think- and, oh, Bob Marley as well. I'm a big Bob Marley fan. It's it's so interesting because like when I first started asking this question, I didn't expect the answers that I got. And Lauren Hill is definitely someone that keeps coming up. Bob Marley as well. Michael Jackson yeah. comes up a lot. Michael like, Jackson too. Yeah. Big MJ. Listen, like these are my top artists. So uh, Michael Jackson, um, um, in no particular order, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, Lauren Hill, um, Snoop Dogg, uh, Missy Elliott. Um God, so many. Fifty Cent, Jay Z, 
Like, I'm a big hip-hop fan, innit? So, like... And even, like, I, I listen to new hip-hop as well. I, I'm, I, I follow the music. I don't play it anymore, but I still follow it. I still, like, enjoy listening to it. So. Yeah, well, it's the new drill these days. That's the yeah. the, the big yeah. thing. Not, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I don't think it's as good as it used to be, but, you know, that's my opinion, so... Yeah, I think we'll we'll have this. Uh, we can have this analysis another time of like where it is. <laughs> but to be honest, who knows? Hip hop might change again. It, it seems yeah. to be changing all the time, which is kind of what makes though, it amazing. One, one good thing about hip hop at the moment, I think, is the amount of amazing female talent that there is. That's definitely a, a, a there's a lot more than there ever has been before. Yeah. Oh, it's. I think it's. Yeah, I cannot agree more. It feels like. And it's young artists as well. It's not just like legacy artists. Like in a weird way, it's like Cardi B is almost a mm. legacy artist now. Whereas like you definitely see all these new, young, so hungry so female artists, which is, and they're doing a great job. That's the thing. It's not like they're just they are, female. You know, girls like Lakea, you know, and, and so many, there's just so many, you know, I've, I've worked with quite a lot of American artists, you know, I'm a big American hip hop fan. Um, it's always been my favorite. I've never been a huge grime fan, to be honest. Um, there's a few artists from the UK that I've always liked, but I've always been like a big American hip hop fan. So yeah. Yeah. We'll, look, I, we'll talk about that another day anyway. For sure. But, well, uh, Charlotte Devaney obviously came through. Uh, please make sure you check her out. Make sure you support her all over YouTube, Spotify. Um, you also had new tracks come out as well. Uh, twenty twenty two tracks, "Fire on My Feet," "Goat," uh, and then the the remixes of "Bad" also came out. Uh, you can find her the hologram sessions. We spent a lot of time talking about that, so make sure you check those out. But um, is there anything you wanted to plug? Anything you wanted to shout out before we wrap it up? That's it, really. Just like you kind of said it all, really. Uh, go check out my music videos, my my hologram sessions, my pyro radio shows, which I start I, I started back on pyro radio this July. I'm really enjoying those sessions. Um, had had like over five million views across platforms with with those, so they're going really really well. Um, and yeah, check out my music. There's loads loads of cool tracks across different genres, and uh, yeah, got loads of music coming out this year. And uh, yeah, man. Hopefully I'll get over to Australia. That's that would be really cool. My fingers are crossed. Uh I feel like everything is selling out here in terms of shows. Yeah. Like the- yeah, shows are shows are really like healthy in Australia, New Zealand. And you know, I've wanted to come ever since Flip It. You know, I've always I've wanted to come and it just hasn't happened. So yeah, I'm hoping that that's gonna happen towards the end of this year for your, for the summer, you know? Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I feel like a good time is to Get out of the UK cold and come yes. to the Aussie summer. And I want to hopefully have a bag of new tracks by out by then. So, like, that's it. So, are you in Australia? Yeah, I'm in Melbourne. So, oh, okay. yeah, and it's so it's you, weird. Sorry, are you in, are you into drum and bass or anything? Uh, or so not? I've been I've been elevating my taste. I have notoriously been hard-headed about hip-hop being my favourite genre of music, but I am uh-huh. I am evolving my taste to to get more into, like you were saying, I, I, do, I don't mind a bit of grime and drum and bass I'm starting to learn more about, so by the time you're here I'll probably be like, hell yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, yeah. 
I was surprised at how much I liked your music. Yeah. Like in well, the weirdest way. Varied. It's very varied. I mean, you know, I've I've made lots of different genres. I do, you know, I I've made trap and slower kind of stuff, but you know, I definitely it's more sort of dance orientated, dance based, but I just call myself a multi bass kind of artist really. So there's a bit of everything really. But what everyone. I thought about was like I think I like it because because you're a fan of hip hop. Like I can feel myself enjoying the beats and I can feel myself like naturally wanting to dance to it. That's what I've always loved about hip hop. There's a way that it makes you feel that you kind of just want to groove to it. And so I think that's what gravitated me towards you was like, ah, oh, I can see a similar feeling that I have with hip-hop to your music. I think, like, my love of MCs has come from my love of hip-hop. Like, I think, like, that's why I've naturally gravitated, and I always have, even when I, like, I first started out in the industry as a dancer, the MCs were, like, my 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 friends because, like, we performed together on stage and I always liked what they did, you know, um, and I think now going full circle, you know, with the hologram sessions with my pyro radio shows, which I do like me and one MC and I showcase one MC for the hour. Um, I think that the, that love and support of MCs has definitely come from my, my love of hip hop and my, my obsession with like so many like rappers and MCs over the years. So yeah, man. Well, it shows and it definitely works. And we will definitely have to do this again. Hopefully we can do this in person when you're down here. Um, yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, absolute pleasure. I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, and, yeah, no this worries. was awesome. Wicked. All right. Well, I will, um, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.